0: Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. Globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those visionaries who serve our communities by delivering products and services to their customers in better ways than they could have otherwise had. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet and create the jobs that feed more families than any other organization could ever hope to. We're diving into the dynamics of what makes these organizations thrive, what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics.
1: Hey folks, welcome back to the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusamano here with Eric Winberger. Hey, David. Good morning. Good to be talking again. Today, we are talking about strategy, something that I know I've been very anxious to get to, uh, as as we've explained why in some of our past episodes. We've gone through, we've been working through our framework, MVOSTA, our dream planning, our strategic business dream planning framework, MVOSTA. Mission and vision. We covered mission kind of in episode zero, episode one. We had a specific episode on vision, a specific episode on objectives, and today we get to strategy. Eric, now we've taken an organization through their purpose. We've taken an organization through the vision that they're trying to accomplish with their purpose. What's that grand life's work scale vision of what the world could look like when they accomplish their purpose? We talked last episode about objectives. So what are the key main objectives over the next three years that this organization needs to accomplish in order to, I guess, work toward that vision? Work towards a vision. Correct. And today we get into the how.
0: Yes. Yes. This is kind of the the framing, the, the strategy around how do we refine those objectives in the way that differentiates ourselves in such a way that makes this all come together and come alive and get the traction that you need to really move towards that vision and, and that mission. Right.
1: Absolutely. And then we talked last time a little bit about how objectives and strategy are somewhat closely related, sometimes may even need to be an iterative process. Correct. Correct. Because once we start understanding our strategy, this may sometimes inform an iteration of what the objectives are are depending on how we're going to compete
0: right how you might want to articulate that objective maybe refine that objective so to speak it's it's another lens if you will that you're looking through so yes it can it can refine they, get, they can go back and forth for a period of time and
1: i think it would be good before we dive deeper in just to just dis- maybe define a little bit strategy yes because so many organizations i think don't have a strategy, don't understand strategy. I'm not saying that we are the experts and we know everything about, we're, we're not the authority on defining strategy, but I think we need to maybe lay some brown definitions here for, sure, for the conversation.
0: Sure. Well, and I think it's important to differentiate between, we talk about strategic planning, which is the overarching definition, if you will, of what we're doing. And we we talked about the Mvosta framework as part of that overall strategic planning. The strategies here are a little bit more specific, if you will. What are those specific strategies that are going to, again, enhance and differentiate ourselves in the marketplace? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Right. And we should probably maybe, while we're on differentiating, (laughs) differentiate (laughs) strategy from tactics and actions. Yes. Because you think about... Maybe one analogy I've heard is, you know, in a war, right? There's a strategy for winning a war, which is different than maybe the specific battlefield tactics that, that happen, right? So, and I guess I don't, maybe don't like that analogy as much, because I don't like to think of business as a war. It certainly can be a win-win or actually should always be win-win, but hopefully that helps maybe people understand a little bit the difference between strategy. And tactics. Well, it's
0: kind of like in chess. I'm not a big chess guy, and get my—I've often lost myself to very young players who <laughs> spent a lot more time studying the strategy of chess. But you know, each move is more of that tactical action, but yes. it's an anticipation, or it's a part of what that overarching strategy is when you go into that game.
1: Right. So, and in chess, it's mul- you have to be multiple moves ahead. Right. Yeah, you're planning an attack that may be 10 moves in the making, right? And that's your strategy. Yeah. Right. Whereas each individual action becomes a tactic. Right. Exactly. On the way. So, yes. So let's, on that vein of differentiation, going back to just what strategy is, I think for me, it helps me understand it better. Maybe a quote on what strategy isn't helps me sometimes (laughs) maybe get this straight in my head. This is a quote from Vern Harnish. I'd like to read. And I think this really starts to help us put this in context. So he says, you don't have a real strategy if it doesn't pass these two tests. He says two, but then he's actually going to end up saying three things. So we'll talk about them. But he says, if it doesn't pass these two tests, that what you're planning to do really matters to your existing and potential customers. Mm -hmm. And second, it differentiates you from your competition. Competition. Add to this the requirement that you have the ability to become the best at implementing this strategy, and you have a clear idea whether you really have a strategy or not that will work. (laughs) So he doesn't actually give a definition, but he gives a framework for understanding if you've got a a good strategy or not, and perhaps we can maybe use that to work from in our discussion
0: here. Yes. Yeah, and I think, like you're saying, is it two or is it three? It's like two are embedded Is, is that is this something that Your customers care about, and you can differentiate yourself from your competition in doing that. And then, can you really be good at that? Right. I think that's does it matter? And can you do it better than your competition?
1: Right. Sometimes, when I'm talking with business owners, I'll use some really extreme examples that are silly, but maybe sometimes help drive the point home. Right. And an example I've used before is that. You know, because people often, they, they confuse it. They say, well, we're differentiated and say, well, but does it matter to the customer? And and also there are things that they do they say, well, this really matters to the customer, but actually this, we do exactly what all our competitors do. One example I've given is like, so, okay, so you make pipes. You could be the only pipe manufacturer in the country that sells your pipes with pink teddy bears, right? <laughs> you would be incredibly differentiated, right? I could be wrong. I don't like to speak for the market, but I'm going to guess that people who are buying pipes do not care if a pink teddy bear is there or not, right? (laughs) It does not not matter. (laughs) There are probably a few exceptions, but yeah. Yeah. That's almost silly. It's so extreme, but hopefully it helps people start to understand, okay, like I've got to differentiate in a meaningful way. Right. And then not only that, I've got to be, Vern Hardner says not just good at it, the best, right? (laughs) Find the thing that you can be the best.
0: Hat, right. Which is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Dave, I know, I know we have, we usually talk about some various ways of defining that, if you will, or focusing a company on that specific strategy to come, kind of flesh that out. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some mm-hmm. of those frameworks, if you <laughs> will, for those strategies for differentiation. Absolutely. One
1: that I like to use is This is maybe hardly even a framework, but it's a question. Just ask business owners, why do your customers buy from you? And that starts to give some insight as to what's going on. And it astounds me sometimes the number of people who I'll ask that question to, and they don't have an answer. They'll say things like, well, it's because we've been in business for 50 years. It's because, I'm trying to think of some other examples, but it's things that don't really matter to the customer. The customer, it's. It might be nice that you've been in business for fifty years, and to the extent that that conveys to the customer maybe some stability or some knowledge, it might have some value. But right. ultimately, the customer cares. In this specific transaction, how am I better off? Yeah. How are you enhancing me? Yeah. I don't care what you did the last forty-nine years. I want to know this year. <laughs> right? How are you helping me? And so, but often I get a deer in headlights look when I ask that question to someone. And yeah. and so uh, this is okay. Well, now we know where we're starting. It's okay. Clearly you're in business. There is a reason customers are buying for you because there is revenue, right? So, <laughs> if, so there is an answer. We maybe let's let's, try to unpack that. Let's articulate yeah. it a little bit and yeah. let's let's see if we can maybe strengthen that reason. And this can be a source for driving further revenue, further margin, things like that. Right. Well the framework that we've used, I think, the best is the Blue Ocean Strategy yeah. framework. Yeah. You really you use a um, boy. This use a, a strategy canvas. Is it a value canvas? A strategy value canvas? Yes. I'm trying to think of the and what we'll do is map out all the features of an offering, right? And then we'll look at what's the competition, what the competition's doing, doing right? right? And you can Google this. You can see strategy canvas Southwest Airlines. I think in the book there's also strategy canvas Cirque du Soleil, and and you can see that Cirque du Soleil on this strategy canvas, just almost perfectly found an area where the competition wasn't right. Right. Broadway shows that offered certain things. And there was a circus that offered certain things,
0: but there was nobody that put it all together. Right. And so they they put, you
1: know, elements of the circus with elements of a Broadway show, in a way that clearly mattered to people, this was entertainment they wanted. I mean, their success is testament to that. Yeah. But you can go back and look at their strategy canvas, and you can see, wow, they created a new area. And I think the whole concept of blue ocean is so important because what is a blue ocean? It's a blue ocean. That, it's a it's an ocean that's not red. <laughs> and and what the authors of that book say is a, is a red ocean because it's bloody. Right. right? Because when you're competing with you're competing everyone else, with everybody with the same stuff, yeah. you don't have anything to offer except cutting hmm. your price a few pennies. Everybody's chumming the same, Right. And so you're just bleeding. You're <laughs> Financial bleeding is what's happening, right? So yeah. to get into that blue ocean, what Vern Harner says with that quote, what the blue ocean strategy would say, right, is like, let's go a place where we can really meet the wants and needs of our customers in a way no one else is doing. We'll, we'll enjoy it more. Our customers will be happy and we'll be profitable enough to, to keep going. That's right. That's right. That's one yeah. framework. And that was probably overly simplified for a couple of minutes, but that's yeah. really a, a couple of hour workshop right there, right? Of really Absolutely. getting a team to yeah. unpack what are the elements what are the of the offerings offering?
0: and knowing what your competition's doing. And I think that's one of the things for some reasons, sometimes companies just, just go into a business, if you will, and they don't even understand what's the competitive landscape and what are the other folks doing? And so knowing that is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, it's, it's intuitive because it's kind of you're in the market and you understand that what's going on. But a lot of times people don't know know, and they need some research. They need a little bit of information, things of that nature. But either way, it needs to be done. Absolutely. And people just
1: going into a business, and that's an example that's personal to me. My first business, I liked airplanes. I became a flight instructor. So when I thought about starting a business, I figured I'll start a flight training business. I had no idea what my competitive landscape was. I just knew my trade. And I made a business, <laughs> and it was only through a series of fortuitous events in my life that helped me understand what I was actually doing and run this business and how I could emerge from some of the competitors in that landscape. But at the beginning, I had no idea. Just you were just dumb, just gonna fly airplanes better than the next guy, and that's how I'll, I'll be successful. If only I could know then what I know now. It's <laughs> uh, always the case. Yeah. So we have other frameworks. Venley, the Venley diagram is one that we've you know relatively straightforward. I don't know if you want to give your thoughts on that no, one.
0: No, no, I think once you give the kind of the overarching frame, and then we can kind of talk about maybe a few examples.
1: Sure. So in the Venley framework, really, you can Google this as well. There's three circles. And each circle, and this is really a, almost a simplified visualization of what you're getting ready to do in a blue ocean workshop where you've got in one circle, you think about what do we offer and another circle it's what does the competition offer? And then another circle is what the customer values. And so the idea is getting into the intersection of those three circles where you're offering something different than the competition that the customer values.
0: Yes. Right. It's almost
1: a graphical representation of yeah. that Vern Harnish quote yeah. <laughs> we just did. Yeah. And and almost a summary of, of Blue Ocean.
0: Yes, well, I, and I think it is. I mean, it really just it complements Blue Ocean strategy very much. It, it's just a different visualization, if you will, of that same concept. Is where's that sweet spot where you've got some niche where what you're offering, what customers want, and what your competition is not offering. That's your intersection of Mm -hmm. the sweet spot where you really have the ability to get traction and find your blue ocean. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yep. So I think that that sometimes just helps people start to wrap their brains around it. Say, ah, this is simple. It's three circles. I can understand that. Okay. I need to be there. And and then from there we say, okay, well, now we pointed to it on a piece of paper, but what's in that part of that circle you just touched (laughs) on the paper? What does that mean? Right. So now we need to unpack this. Right. Right.
0: Right. Right. And it's just kind of just pulling back a little bit again, back to the strategies and the objectives that you may have identified for your company. Now you can start to see, well, OK, now I'm starting to identify some of these strategic or strategies of where I can differentiate myself. Now, does that fit with these objectives for obtaining this ultimate mm-hmm. vision? that I have? Or, wow, do I need to refine that objective? Because it may start to change our marketing approach. And that may mm-hmm. be, you know, your your ability to hit the market might be one of your key objectives that you have in order to, to make your vision come alive. Well, now, how does that, that view of walking through that strategy process now start to maybe modify that objective in some way, shape, or form? And certainly, it's going to impact the tactics and the actions that we're going to be getting into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, and just to underscore the
1: importance of this phase in the planning, like you said, is so many organizations skip this. They get a vision, at least on paper, and they're like, okay, Bob, you do this, Sally, you do this, right? And they go right to the actions. I was talking to an organization recently about their strategy, and it was amazing that Earlier, before they had talked about strategy, it was always team meetings were just action, 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 go mm-hmm. get it, right? And then suddenly, because we had really defined strategy, that now, when it came time to lay out the actions and the tactics, it was so much easier for people to say, wait, that's not what we do. We're not
0: doing it, right? And they right. could filter it. Right. And, they, and and Well, that's not going to help us to differentiate. And that's just another me too type mm-hmm. of thing. So it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's not right. necessarily going to drive us mm-hmm. towards our vision. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, and almost in the brainstorming, there are just more, more valuable ideas would come out. Right. Well, at the umbrella under which we were brainstorming. Yeah. It was done. <laughs> right. And so without this, it turns into, I think, like we think of like gimmicks, right? I think if you, you call up an advertising firm, they'll, they'll be happy to tell you, Look, throw an ad in the newspaper, throw an ad on the radio, you know, run some Google ads. And those are just tactics. And those may be good tactics, but we're just, like you said before, ready, fire, aim kind of thing (laughs) and, and hoping for luck. And it might work, but it'd be much better to understand how are we doing this? Right. How are we reaching people? What's our actual offering? What do we actually sell? And then finding the right tactics around that. Right. And I think that's kind of a good dovetail into another strategic framework. And this one is a bit different than Blue Ocean. And it's this value discipline model, right? Where we really think about what do we do? So, when we think about the whole idea in the Vern Harnish quote about add to the definition, the requirement, the ability to become the best, right? And you think about the Venley diagram where it said, what do we offer? Like, okay, what do we offer? (laughs) And we'll talk in an upcoming episode through some of the value builder framework that you and I have been learning about and using is understanding the whole teachable, repeatable, valuable idea of is what we're offering going to be scalable. But this value discipline framework is really helps us understand, you know, how with what we offer, how we're going to do this. And I'll list the three things. Really, every organization can be good at one of these three things. I mean, that's not good. Excel, be the best.
0: Well, yeah, it's kind of like I think what we're talking about, David, is that you've identified your unique position in the marketplace or where you want to go to. Now, how do you best execute on that? And there's three strategies, if you will, Mm -hmm. to approaching how to execute on that.
1: Right. And every organization has got to be good at all three of these, but really needs to excel, become the best at one one of them. And those three things are product leadership, customer intimacy, and operational excellence. And I know many people's gut when they hear this, as was mine when I first learned about, this, we're going to be amazing at all three. <laughs> and what happens when people say I'm going to be amazing at all three is that they're actually become, you know, they're really at the minimum threshold to compete at all three. They're really okay at all three of them, right? And I don't know if it's impossible, but it's certainly incredibly difficult for someone to be the best at all of these. Because in order to be the best, you really need to align your organization completely into building a core competency around this. Yeah, Let's just take a minute with each one, if we can, give some examples, because I think this helps people to understand what they are. So product leadership, Because what does that that mean to you?
0: Yeah, well, this is where you're constantly... Refining that product that's in the marketplace to meet the needs of the customer, the demands of the customer. A, a great example of that would be Apple. Apple's, you know, was always this innovator. So we might want to think of innovation right. or constant innovation and state of the art product, state of the art product, things of that. Use R and
1: D investment.
0: Yes. Yes. So I'm trying to think of another way to explain that. But I think definitely the innovation, it's all about the product that you're delivering and then constantly improving right. that product.
1: And I would say, even more, all of that. And a lot of times in product leadership, you're actually creating new categories. You're making the net. Like, so, with Apple, really brought us the iPad, the smartphone. There were some versions of smartphones before, but Apple really introduced it in a way that it was embraced by the masses a thing we didn't even think we needed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now we say we don't don't know how we we do without. How do we
1: live without this? Exactly. Yeah. And then there's operational excellence.
0: Right. This is where we are getting exceptional at the way we deliver a product or service, both from the standpoint of the customer experience, as well as the efficiency of delivering that. Mm-hmm. So some examples there, FedEx would be a good good example of that. In today's framing, maybe maybe in Amazon, where they they're really have gotten significant operational efficiencies, mm-hmm. uh, which is why they can bring a lot of products to the markets, to consumers in an efficient way and a cost-effective way, and in a way that the customer is getting the best price, right. uh, if you will, mm-hmm. for those products and services. Absolutely.
1: Yep. And, so, and hopefully... People listening can maybe start to see that Apple is a different company than FedEx. Very different. They're both good companies, both great companies, but their core competencies
0: are much different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and in the way they way they operate. And, and why people, why customers come to them for that particular product or service is 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 very different. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then there's
1: customer intimacy. Right. Right.
0: And this is one where you're constantly connected to the customer in a way is what does the customer want? How can I modify? It's a little bit different than that product, innovative product that we discussed. It's got some similarities to it, but it's really about the customer themselves are helping me as the provider to uh, it's constantly understanding their needs. And how can we then modify our product and service in a way to meet that demand, that need of that customer? Mm -hmm. So there's very much a a relationship, whereas Apple, as you rightly said, was they developed a product that people didn't even know they needed. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas here, in this case, it's the customer is really bringing to you the idea and you're very intimate with that customer and meeting Mm -hmm. that need. Yeah, absolutely. trying to think of some examples of that. Well, uh, I think some of the the ones that people throw out from time to time are like a Nordstrom's or an IKEA. This is where, you know, you're very in tune with the data. You're utilizing data from your customers to understand and draw out, if you will, the Mm -hmm. things that needs to then shape and modify what it is that you're offering to them. Right, right. Uh, You know, I think a lot of professional service firms would fall into
1: this. Customer intimacy category, um, you know, think people like McKinsey, Bain, organizations like that. An organization, someone that you and I know who had an organization in the beverage space, and they're always understanding. I, I would say maybe it was less product leadership and more customer intimacy, right? They're trying to always understand what does the consumer want this season and how will we get them what they want this season. season. I imagine a lot of retail, um, you know, a lot lot of the clothing uh, companies, right. They're doing that. Disney is probably another example where, you know, it's all about trying to understand the experience, creating magic for every, every person that visits. So yeah, that's um, again, I think once we understand where our place is in the market, then our our understanding of our core competency is so, so important too. Like, what are we good at? Like, what are the things that our organization be really good at? And this is where we're going to invest, right? And if, If we're good, but not the best at this certain function that is in a space that our competitors aren't there, but our customers want us to be there, right? This starts to inform, well, maybe some of our tactics and actions need to be to going from good to the best (laughs) at this certain thing, right? And this is how we're really going to excel as an organization.
0: Right, right. And again, as we said, for this particular strategy, you got to be good at all three of these because if you're are really really bad right. at any of those you're not going to be successful but it's just picking that one that you as a company with your resources and your talent and capability what can you really home in on mm-hmm. to differentiate yourself absolutely
1: absolutely so hopefully we've left people here with some frameworks for starting to get their brains around or getting their arms around how do I make a strategy for an organization? And you can go back to that definition at the beginning. If you can't pass whatever you've come up with through that Vern Harnish quote at the beginning, then you're not there, right? Right. And you need to do it again. So Eric, what would you recommend for an organization? We've been talking 20, 25 minutes now about this, right? It's it's not enough for a business owner to just listen to this and say, aha, great, let's go do it. Like, How does someone go about implementing this? for their organization? How do they come up with the answers? And
0: Yeah, well, I think having someone to help you to go through that process, to prompt you to facilitate that process is the key. It's very, very difficult to do that just on your own. It's not impossible, but it's harder to not have someone kind of walking you through that process. And I think that's one of the things that we certainly do with our clients is is we just help facilitate that process. Um, mm-hmm. We help provide these frameworks and and walk alongside with that client in doing that yeah, and right. drawing it out, if you right. will, and then making sure that we're able to document that and, and help mm-hmm. them to document that. But at the end of the day, executing on it is where the rubber meets right. the road. And that's when what we're going to be getting into next mm-hmm. is, is how do we then Take this and this process, this framework process that we're doing as as strategic planning, and now start to get really tight on what are the specific tactics and actions that we have to do as a team to make it execute. Absolutely, and I, I think that often looks like
1: for a team really working on their strategy. And this is it should be a living process that's always being revisited. But it's if you're not. At least in the beginning, sitting down with your team, with or without a facilitator, at least half a day, two, three, four hours to really say, like, let's go through these exercises. Let's really force ourselves to think about this. Let's turn off the email and the cell phones and everything for half a day and make sure we got this right. Then we may be wasting our time with everything else we're doing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Or you're, again, doing a lot of ready, fire, aim, and then you're coming back and saying, ooh, I was the wrong target. Right. Right. And I remember
1: someone, when I started my first business, one of my customers had started and run a multi-million-dollar business from scratch locations all over the country. And I was complaining to him about all the problems in my business. And one day he, he says to me, what you need to do is sit down, take some time off and figure out how you can develop an offering that creates incredible value to your customers in a way that your competitors will find difficult to replicate and don't come back to work until you do. <laughs> and I said to him, you don't understand. I can't take off a few days. I've got people to fly with. I've got customers. Like It's like, you're, you're crazy. In hindsight, this is hilarious that I'm like the 25-year-old kid telling a <laughs> successful multimillionaire entrepreneur that he doesn't get it. right? Uh, fortunately. Over time, I did listen to that advice. I did take the time off and it was well, well worth the investment. Because until you do that, you're just spinning. You're in a hamster wheel a lot of the time, right? And then, like you said, Eric, you know, bridging the gap next. So that'll be what we talk about next is, so today was a lot of the how, tactics, and then actions we're going to talk about. It's going to be the, the, I guess, the what, the who, and the when.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: So we're going to get real granular when we go there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, with that, that's our talk on strategy and looking forward to tactics and uh, actions next. Great.